Welcome, friends, readers, listeners, and viewers from across America and around the world. We appreciate you taking the time to join us this evening. I am again joined by Rob Skiba in our ongoing introspection into the Book of Enoch. I do believe we are on Chapter 78. Rob, how are you doing today, brother? I'm doing good, Zen. How are you? Doing really well. Um, how's it going with the the crops and the seedlings and the the growth and harvest? <laughs> um, actually, pretty good, man. Uh, I, I there was a couple of rainy days we had, and I just didn't feel like getting out. And so some of the crops that are in the greenhouse and stuff, um, I didn't bother to water. And like I went out there the next day, and they were like really like massively growing. I was like, wow, look at that. So I'm thinking maybe I'm overwatering some of them, so I'm I'm kind of changing my watering schedule, and that seems to be helping. So uh, a bit bit more hopeful than in the past. I saw an, an, a funny meme the other day. The only way to get a green thumb is to the only way to get a green thumb is to murder a lot of plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the truth. I'm of like, it. well, I guess I, I'm, I'm on my way then. Um, right. But the few that have survived uh, seem to be doing pretty good. So excited about that. Uh, I'd like to thank your listeners as well as mine uh, for those who contributed towards uh, Jeremiah, my son's uh, back procedure. He's doing great. He's doing that is that's fantastic, man. I'm glad yeah. to hear it. Yeah, he said today he hasn't felt this good in a, in years. So uh, appears everything's working well, and you know the procedure went well. So. Uh, thank you to everybody that helped make it happen you know, from the whole Skiba family because it's been a long ordeal for us, and he's definitely doing well. In fact, he went out and applied for a job recently because he hasn't been able to work much because he couldn't do anything. He was in, you know, uh-huh. laying around in pain all the time. Uh, so, yeah, things are looking up a bit. Well, well that's great. What, what kind of um, procedure... or yeah. technique, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, we saw... Uh, uh, well... First of all, it's his L, who is it, 4 and 5, I think, the lower lumbar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, lumbar. And uh, sacrum area and vest, vest of, I forget what it's called. They're just little things on the side of the spine. Um, there was a whole, it was a train wreck. I mean, there was a whole bunch of damage. He had some uh, sports-related damage and then uh, from years ago, and then he re-injured it about five years ago. And uh, it's just been a lot of pain. Um, and the, the discs, the lower discs were practically gone. I mean, oh, wow. they were like really squished and torn and bulging. And, you know, when you look at the x-rays, the ones above it look, you know, nice and puffy. And then there's like these black spaces down below, you know. Um, so, you know, we looked at various options and nothing looked good, frankly. And anybody that I knew that has ever had back surgery has regretted it. You know, uh, it may fusion and whatnot may work for a few years, but you're just pushing off more problems later mm-hmm. and you know some of the and some of the ones you just want to give them like a like a steroid shot kind of thing that lasts for a little while and wears off and right. you know, we went to one of those deals and it was like they were going to charge us a seven thousand dollar facility fee like oh my god seven grand to be in the building for them to give you a four hundred dollar shot you know that's ridiculous and we're like yeah that is ridiculous so you know we were feeling pretty hopeless there for a while and then we saw a video with uh, joe rogan interviewing Mel Gibson and Dr. Reardon, who's a guy who's like one of the top guys in stem cell research. Mm-hmm. And it was non-fetal tissue stem cell. So like where they take the person's own bone marrow. And I guess they also do stuff with like uh, 
umbilical cords from successful deliveries. Uh-huh. Um, so all of that sounded really positive, and we looked into it, and turned out that the, so Mel Gibson had it done for his father first. His guy's like in his late nineties, and could barely walk and stuff, and his hips were all jacked up. And anyway, they did some kind of deal in Panama with him, and you know now he's doing great. And so Mel did some stuff on his shoulder, and Joe Rogan was talking about how he did some stuff. And so we're watching this video, and we're like, man, I'm gonna look into this guy, and. Uh, we we did. We looked into him. And it turned out he was here in Dallas. Like wow, <laughs> yeah. The, oh, cool. He does stuff in Panama that the FDA forbids for being done here. Like stuff uh-huh. that you can't do in the states. You have to go to Panama for. But fortunately, you know, Jeremiah's issue wasn't one of those where we had to go to Panama. So, uh, you know, we found out he was in Dallas. It's like a twenty minute drive or something like that. You know. Wow. So praise God. Yeah, we went there. Um, you know, and they quote it was like over thirteen thousand dollars, which of course we didn't have. Uh, but we put out a, a, you know, a help SOS on Facebook, and uh, you know the community came through for us and really helped us out. One guy actually, uh, the guy who um, sponsored me to do that conference in Amsterdam, uh, uh-huh. he sent me a Bitcoin, and at that time it was about eight thousand dollars in value, uh, the the one Bitcoin. And, yeah. uh, I, you know, I was watching it. It was starting to climb, you know, and I'm, I'm watching it. It was like going up 20 bucks, 30 bucks. I'm like, oh, and then I waited and then it went down like 50 bucks. I'm like, oh, man. So I'm watching it again. It goes <laughs> going, going up and going up. I'm like, well, if it gets back to where it was, I'm just going to go ahead because I had to uh, cash it out for right. for cash and so that it would because it takes a few days to clear the bank. And then I had to wait for it to clear the bank so that I have it so that I could pay the doctor with it. So, you know, I had a, a window of time that I had to cash it, but it was like, I don't know, a couple hours after I cashed it out, it went up like a thousand dollars. Yeah, oh it my. went up to ten thousand oh, and like, rejected. Yeah, it went up even higher after a few more days. Yeah. I was like, ah but you know, we have you never we, know. Yeah, That's we had what we needed and you know, he came through for us and, and basically paid off the balance of what we did we didn't raise through crowdfunding. Uh so that, that was a huge, huge blessing. And uh yeah, he's doing really good now, so you know, praise God and thank yeah, thank you to all the all the people that helped us yeah that's amazing and so the the stem cell they um placed it into his back and that yeah. just kind of regenerates uh yeah yeah wow yeah they had to do uh i think it was five i think it was five different injections uh all into different areas of his spine and um he he felt all immediate results now i think part of that is inflammation uh you know due to putting a foreign substance in there Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, we're being cautious at the moment that it's not just, you know, inflammation that has separated the disc and relieved the nerve pressure. And then after the inflammation goes down, it gets worse. We're hoping that that's not going to be the case because it can right. take, you know, three to six months for the stem cells to do their things, you know, um, yeah. in there. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things you, you know, you struggle, especially with the research and everything that I've been doing, you know, with, with DNA and stuff like that. Right. But, but you know, if it was an organ or or you know something going into the bloodstream or whatever, that would be, I would be a lot more leery about it. But it's directly into the disc, so whatever's in there is localized just to the disc. And mm-hmm. you know, the stem cells, I guess they just, they're amazing. I mean, like the guy, yeah. I don't know how you could do stem cell research and not be a believer. I believe the doctor that dealt with us was a believer, because he's like, you know, I don't know where you are spiritually or anything like that, but you know, th- this is a miracle. And he was describing how the cells work, and like 
like they the cells themselves like they have a brain almost right you know it's like yeah. they they, they, they know f- what to do yeah they figure out where they are in the body first of all and then they figure out what the problem is and they reorganize themselves to fix the problem mm-hmm. and you know when we're babies you know we have lots of them but as we get older you know we we're, we're not producing as much uh but you know the uh, it's doing its thing so uh, and this was the best option without having to do surgery because it was, you know, it was only like an hour, if if that. You know, you just kind of go in there as a localized anesthesia. They put the stuff in and goes to work. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So those who are I interesting, know. it's uh, Dr. Reardon. Uh, you could probably just do a Google search. I think it's Reardon Medical Institute or something like that. Um, but it's just Dr. Reardon stem cell. If anybody else out there is interested in looking into it. Well, that's great. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have issues because nobody ever tells you how to live correctly. Yeah. You know, they, it's not like they teach <laughs> this in school. And then you see people all the time lifting incorrectly and then harming themselves. Oh, yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of people that are, you know, have back problems or um, discs and that are dealing with pain. And so... But anyways, um, how's everything else as far as with Seed? Yeah, thank you. We had a, a follow-up meeting with the uh, production studio, I think it was Tuesday morning. Um, and things are going really well. We are very close to what they call a picture lock. And what that is, is every, there's 106 shots in the eight-minute video. Um, and so we've been striving to get to where the camera is locked, where I'm happy with the camera angles and the camera movements, and then happy with the rudimentary animations that we've done so far as a previs. So there's about five shots, I think five or six shots left for them to tweak. And then we get picture lock. And once we have picture lock, that's where the real fun begins. That's where they go in and start right now. None of the characters have hair or anything. So you start adding hair and, um, more detailed textures and start building out the environments and composite backgrounds and all that kind of stuff. So the real work really gets kicks in the high gear once we got picture lock. And then also when we have picture lock, that's when sound design and music will go back in. Because uh, if, if without a picture lock, you do a lot of work on sound design, but then you, if there's an edit and you move things around, you got to change all of it. So it, it's best to wait for picture lock before doing the sound design. And so... Um, I'm hoping probably early next week we'll have picture lock and um, then everybody goes into high gear. That's awesome, man. I know um, you had just done a an interview with an individual on your seed production as well. Did you want to mention that? Um, that was actually from a year ago. Uh, oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just looking at some stuff on YouTube, and it f- it fed into my feed. And I, I was like, oh, I forgot. About it. I told him I was going to mirror it a year ago, and I, I never did. Oh, really? uh, I was like, oh, I better. I should mirror it because he's a he's a dear friend and mentor. He's actually uh, he's the guy who really took me in under his wing when I first came to Texas in 2003. Became like a, a second father to me here, and uh, he he does like business life coaching and stuff like that. You know, tra- travels around and helps people, you know, do better in whatever they do. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah, we were talking about the um, uh, uh, seven spiritual gifts, uh, you know, mercy, teaching, prophecy, you know, all that kind of stuff, encouragement and whatnot, and how they line up with uh, a concept called the seven mountain prophecy 
that uh, Lauren Cunningham, Bill Bright, and uh, Francis Schaefer kind of came up with a f- couple of decades ago, I guess. And basically what that is is that there are, they call them mountains, or we might consider spheres of influence, like government, business, entertainment, arts, things of that nature, things that have an influence on our culture. And in the course of doing the spiritual gift test that we had been doing for years, when I stumbled across that seven mountain thing, I was like, well, we got seven mountains and seven gifts. I wonder if they line up. And sure enough, they did. And so nice. uh, came up with a whole curriculum on how to turn your passion into a profession and how you can be fulfilled in life when you're actually walk, uh-huh. walking in the gifts that God gave you, yes. you know, as your profession. Uh, I mean, how fulfilled yeah, can you be? Yeah, what a blessing that is. Right? How, how, can, how fulfilled can you be if you were actually making a living doing what you were gifted to do, you know, right. as opposed to a mismatch? So, right. so yeah, I, I posted that uh, for those who are interested. It's on my YouTube channel, and I also I just recently uh, got the domain black blackthumbgardening.net. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the domain, and I'm gonna start a new YouTube channel called Black Thumb Gardening. And uh, the whole idea is, you know, most people start out the same way, like <laughs> nothing's working. And so my thought is, you know, hey, come come learn with me. I'll, I'll post stuff. You know, my we'll learn from our mistakes and celebrate our victories together. And um, you know, just putting out little videos. Uh-huh. Is, is, right now, I put out three, three or four videos, I think, so far. Just little things that I've figured out that I think are going to work. I mean, I don't know if they are or not, but <laughs> we'll find out. Uh-huh. Yeah, my my son is doing the same um, as far as you know, starting a kind of a new YouTube channel and um, to explore with others kind of the you know the whole scenario of learning and the process of urban farming and yeah. and uh, all that so and I think you know it's very important for people to learn how to grow food and also to have something going on the side to where they're not fully dependent on grocery stores or yeah. Yeah, I mean, even if you are just doing herbs or whatever, or just salad, you know, production, and not, you know, the, the full crop cycle or whatever, but uh, to learn the process, I, I think it's very important. It's like, you know, how many people even know how to start a fire? Yeah. You know, and that is such an important survival skill yeah. as well. And so yeah, things yeah. of that nature. You know, we never, you would think that that would be something to teach us, right? You know, uh, right? In, yeah, in exactly. School, we learn stuff. You know, so much of the stuff we learned in school are stuff I've never used ever a day in my life. You know, right? Um, and, and something like teaching us how to grow our own food, you would think that that would be really important. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you know now as a result, we're having to learn it for ourselves. But if we're fortunate. I mean, with the with YouTube and the internet and stuff, there are so many resources out yeah. there now. But I'm the guy. That like I get, you know, a product. I don't read the directions. I just try to figure it out. Like I, <laughs> I'm that guy. You know, it's like the directions yeah. tell you how to do it, but I, I just I don't know. I'm just you know, like you know, most guys don't like to ask for directions, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'll figure it out. Uh, you know, so but like I said before in previous broadcasts, you know, gardening is definitely not the plug and play, you know, drag and drop life that I'm used to. So. I've started to look for other resources. There's a ton of them out there. And, um, you know, we have Texas Aggies, right? The agricultural school college here. Mm-hmm. Uh, go figure, right? Texas Aggies. You, know, you think they might have something? Well, sure enough, yeah, they've got, like, everything you can imagine on their website 
Uh, so what I want to do with Black Thumb Gardening is is put a lot of resources out there. I mean, there are some great st- stuff that I've found. Like, you want to plant cucumbers? Here's everything you need to know about planting cucumbers, like all on one page. You know, how high they get, how many you know inches between seeds you should plant them, and what's the best time of the year, what's the best time of soil, what sun, like all like that's what I need like a a play-by-play point-by-point break it down and it was overwhelming when I was thinking about it because I've got about a dozen different plants that I'm trying to grow uh and I said you know what I'm just gonna take one a day you know and like everything I need to know about eggplant that's my assignment (laughs) today Mm -hmm. you know figure that out and yeah yeah if I don't have it planted in the right place currently then you know I'll move it or or accommodate it somehow or whatever right like when they say that one of the biggest newbie mistakes people make is overcrowding, where you just plant too much too close, and uh, I've already done that. <laughs> like, like I'm like, oh geez, you know, because when it's a seed and it's a little seedling, and you got this, huge, right. you got this huge bed, right? You're like, oh geez, I should put more in here, but you know, as soon as they start growing, and then you you think, oh geez, you know, a watermelon, that geez, that's pretty big, <laughs> you know, <laughs> once it once it finally grows, right? Uh, so yeah, I clearly have way too much crowding in one bed where I've got like uh, cantaloupe and uh, watermelon and squash and cucumbers and okra all like in one bed and I'm like yeah uh, this is kind of you know okay uh, by the time we're done with black thumb gardening that you know the, the whole thing is going to be turning your black thumb green if I can do it you can do it mm-hmm, <laughs> it's right. like look if this if this gamoke can figure it out anybody can you know right. that's kind of the idea behind it yeah, and you know, there's a another thing of there's certain crops that should be grown together, together. as well. Yeah, that assist each other and keep weeds from coming up and things of that nature. And so, um, yeah, again, it's a full-on learning process. And but something that you know, not only should people enjoy doing it because. I mean, you know, kids they just want to play in the dirt. You know. <laughs> um, and so it fulfills that whole kind of uh, childhood uh, desire. And and then learning to just grow food. I mean, there's nothing better. Um, you know that it's not being sprayed with yeah. pesticides or Roundup or things that, that are harmful. And you can learn to do farming where you don't have to um, do like the corporate, the large industrial farms where they're using poisons and toxins uh, just to make their crops look good and yeah. uh, delectable but they're you know have all these pesticides and and stuff on them yeah we we're looking into because you do start running into problems with various critters and bugs and things of that nature and some things are simple like okay birds are getting to your stuff go to the dollar store and get one of those little pinwheel you know windmill looking little things you know it's got like looks like a flower but it, you know when mm. the wind blows it just spins and so that's right. what I did. Like you know, I, I've got a, a a little hanging thing for strawberries, so that they grow out of this hanging thing. Uh, so it's not actually in the ground. Uh, so I just plant. I, I just put one of those poles in there that has a little flower like windmill on it, and the wind just blows it and kind of keeps stuff away. But other things like um, uh, neem oil is uh, real good for different types of bugs and peppermint oil and stuff. So of mm-hmm. course Sheila's been into the essential oils for like ever. So, yeah. uh, it, you know, creating diluted because you have to dilute it. Otherwise, it gets right. It, you can burn the plants. Vinegar. Yeah, different things. And you just yeah. um, just spray it on the leaves, you know, keep different bugs out. And you don't need all that toxic chemicals. Although, right. uh, like I came up with this idea for uh, capturing rainwater. 
and posted a video on that uh, last night. Um, it, uh, and it, so it collects out, out of your gutter, and I got a real good system. It water, it's got a 50-foot soaker hose that waters like half the garden by itself. No. Um, but like I wasn't thinking that, well, yeah, that's asphalt, uh, you know, uh, or what is it? I think it's asphalt, whatever it is. The the stuff that they use for the uh, tiles, you know, on the uh, the roofing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, that could be, that could be problematic. So right now I'm looking into. They have these inline um, uh, filters for a hose. Um, and now that typically takes out like chlorine and fluoride and stuff like that. So I don't know how well it does for taking out any kind of toxicity that might be coming off of the roof. So mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I mean, it's always it's learning. It's something. It's like okay, yeah, you know. You learn as you go. It's like right? rainwater is good, but if it's coming off the roof, it may not be good. So you're like, ah, yeah, it's always something. Yeah, always something. But I mean, at least you're uh, learning and making use of the knowledge as you go. Well, yeah, you know, and, and most of the comments that I've seen on the YouTube videos have been very positive. People are like, yeah, we're trying to do it too. Thanks, this is cool. Uh, right on. You always got the haters that come in every now and then. It's like, yeah, of course. You, you say to yourself. You know, I'm, I'm putting out a two, three-minute video, okay? So, okay, that's not taking up much time here for you. And all mm-hmm. I'm trying to do is help you. You know, I'm saying, like, hey, you know, if you're trying to build a raised garden on the cheap, if you've got any extra storage shelves hanging around, here's how you can do it. hope that helps. And, and so I'll, get, I'll still get, like, five thumbs down. It's like, <laughs> what goes through somebody's head? When, right. You know, but beyond that, I had somebody saying, you know, the whole world's going to hell and, you know, the Mark of the Beast is coming out and, you know, you're talking about this. And I'm like, uh, yeah, because I've been talking about the Mark of the Beast for 10 years. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Exactly, yeah. And, and I was looking at some videos that I did from, like, 2012 um, where I was predicting exactly what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I was on the Prophecy Club, uh, ironically enough, um, mm-hmm. and was talking about what if they, in a, a true Hegelian-style you know, dialectic, they create a pandemic that they just so happen to have the perfect vaccine for, you know, and right. you know, we're going to have to make some hard choices. I mean, you know, that's 2012. Here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Yep, crazy. So, you know, I, uh, you know, shifting gears to uh, Enoch, uh, chapter, I think it was 71, had something, I, somebody was uh, showing me something. Let's see, 50, 60, 71. Uh, maybe it's 71 or 72, where it says Enoch is, uh, the angel is with him, and he says that Enoch was the son of man. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and that was one of the reasons they were using to say, see, Enoch's full of it. You know, it's it's contradicting Scripture because we know who the son of man is, is Yeshua. And it was, let's see, 50, 60, 71... Uh, man, I'll have to probably. We're getting ready to go to break anyway, so I'll see if I can find it during the break. Yeah, but, yeah. Afterwards, but the the allegation was that in the Charles translation, he says, you know, he's showing Enoch this is the son of man. Uh huh. And, uh, but in the other translations, it's saying you are the son of man. You you are that son of man. Well, you know, I I know that even in Luke that Adam is described as a a, a son of God, um, but with regard to this particular book and all the other chapters, 
that speak about the elect one and the son of man it's very clear that it is well, referencing yeah. christ yeah, yeah i mean you could take a, a few doubt. of these out of context and say we'll see um but yeah to your point when you take the, all of the passages to talk about the son of man clearly it's it's not talking about enoch right i mean there's so many that are it's messianic you know and it uh in the coming the second advent uh, and even though i do believe that enoch will be uh, one of the two witnesses of revelation 11 um still he you know he's not going to be christ who takes the judgment seat and makes everybody right um come and bow before him so yeah i just looked yeah. it up in the charles i'll look it up in lawrence but it was 71 uh verse 13 and the head of days came with michael and gabriel raphael and fenuel thousands and ten thousands of angels without number and then charles inserts a little parenthetical it says lost passage wherein the son of man was described as accompanying the head of days and enoch asked one of the angels concerning the son of man as to who he was and then verse 14 and he, i.e., the angel, came to me and greeted me with his voice, saying, This is the Son of Man who is born unto righteousness. And, and it goes on and describes that Son of Man. But the other translations, like the Lawrence and some of the more modern translations, uh, say that it's you there, and that because Charles didn't want to accept that, Charles changed the text and then inserted his own translation. So that goes to some of the points we were talking about, even regarding canonized text. As soon as you get into translation people can start messing with stuff mm -hmm. alright we'll be right back everybody and we'll be getting into it everyone, it's Chris Gio, founder of Truth Frequency Radio and host of Beyond the Veil. The mainstream media and establishment are running scared right now, and they've prominently featured TruthFrequencyRadio.com as number 89 on the federal government's hit list, also known as the fake news list, which is essentially a list of sites slated for censorship on Facebook, YouTube, Google, and other social media. Now is the time for you to get involved. Share your favorite TFR shows far and wide on forums and social media. Tell your friends and family about your favorite shows. If you're a business owner, get in touch with us to feature your product or service right here on TFR. And if you haven't done so already, become a TFR supporter now and get unlimited commercial-free downloads in high quality. Visit truthfrequencyradio.com slash sign up. Thank you for making TFR the leader in independent and uncensored talk radio. Truth Frequency Radio, your protection from deception. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStreamLive is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. 
If you have hard water, the limescale not only leaves white spot that clogs pipes and breaks down appliances, costing you hundreds of dollars in energy and wear. Eliminate limescale and other water issues like brown staining and bad odors with HydroCare water products available from Wave Home Solutions. Wave's affordable water systems don't use salts or chemicals. You'll love the way your water tastes, smells, and looks. Satisfaction guaranteed. For more information, go to bestwater123.com. That's bestwater123.com. For 5,000 years, the world was ruled with wooden ships by one man. 242 years ago, a small group of free men crafted a new nation built on liberty and freedom. Global elites have been fighting to destroy this new nation called America ever since. Based on actual events, Charm of Favor tells a true story of how they corrupted the election system. They infiltrated federal agencies and murdered witnesses, judges, and even presidents to keep from being caught. Now, the largest and wealthiest crime syndicate the world has ever known has been drawn out of the shadows. They have killed hundreds of Americans and recently attempted to assassinate half our congressmen. Still, they escape arrest through an almost supernatural charm of favor. Read Charm of Favor and be prepared to open your eyes to what may lie just around the corner. Charm of Favor is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Real people, real radio. Initiating the truth frequency. This is Truth Frequency Radio. And in those days, there were giants in the land. And the sons of the angels of God looked upon the daughters of men and found them fair. And took up their wives, and their sons became of old great men of renown. So they have been mixing with us on a genetic level since the time of Enoch and Ezekiel's will. People on Earth were retrieved by the sun, moon, and stars, and imagine there's got to be planets like ours. So conceive of a face on the surface of Mars, so in need of a meaning and purpose we lost. And indeed they believe that these might be our gods, or that maybe with time we'll do right and evolve, and eventually reach what they seek, and then solve all the problems of man, but they really don't know that they don't. All right, welcome back, everybody, for a second portion. And um, if you wanted Rob to comment further on what we were talking about before going to break and okay. after doing so, we can move into chapter. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the the Charles translation says, uh, uh, "This is the Son of Man who is born unto righteousness," uh, and then it goes on to describe, you know, some more about him. Um, in the Lawrence, <coughs> it says, um, "In the ancient of days came with Michael and Gabriel, Raphael and Fenuel, with thousands of thousands of myriads of myriads, which could not be numbered. Then that angel came to me." And with his voice saluted me, saying, Thou art the, no, he says, the offspring of man. Which, that makes sense, this translation. Mm -hmm, right. Uh, Thou art the offspring of, actually, Lawrence may solve the problem here. Thou art the offspring of man who art born for righteousness, and righteousness has rested on thee. The righteousness of the Ancient of Days shall not forsake thee. He said, On thee shall he confer peace in the name of the existing world, for whom thence has peace gone forth since the world was created. And thus shall it happen to thee forever and ever. 
All who shall exist and who shall walk in thy path of righteousness shall not forsake thee forever. With thee shall be their habitations, with thee their lot, nor from thee shall they be separated forever and ever. And thus shall length of days be with the offspring of man. Peace shall go to the righteous, and the path of integrity shall the righteous pursue in the name of the Lord of spirits forever and ever. Now that makes sense. That he was a preacher of righteousness, you know, before mm-hmm. before Noah was, and and after Adam was, he was the intermediate that was to pass on that righteousness to Methuselah. Um, so Lawrence may actually solve that problem. I was reading a, a David Wilbur had a whole article against uh, the Book of Enoch, and uh, in using this passage as his primary thesis. Oh, God. Saying, oh, we know, you know, Yeshua is the son of man, so therefore, you know, Enoch's a heretical book. So I'm like, what? So I went and <laughs> looked into it, and sure enough, you know, I, I did see uh, various scholarship, modern scholarship points out that that uh, that Charles had made some assumptions. Um, I, you could see where people would do that, you know, and where his assertion that there's a lost passage uh He's like, there's never been anything to substantiate that. That was an assumption that Charles was making. Well, Charles was thinking, well, clearly something must be missing here, so I'll just, you know, say that and then uh, change it from you to... Um, now, son, you know, what, depending on the language, if it's Aramaic or Hebrew or Greek or Ethiopic or Slav- Slavonic or whatever, that would be interesting. Uh, you know, if it's Zera, well, that I mean, yeah, that could be son or seed or offspring, uh, so that that might be interesting, but I have another translation uh, by George W. E. Nicholsberg and James C. Vanderkam, and it says a new translation. When was this published? Um, <clears throat> copyright two thousand four. And in that passage, it says, uh, and, "And I cried with a loud voice and with the spirit of power." And I blessed and praised and exalted, and those blessed and went forth from my mouth were acceptable in the sight of the head of days. And the head of days came with Michael and Raphael and Gabriel and Fenuel and thousands and ten thousands of angels without number. And that angel came to me and greeted me with his voice and said to me, You are that son of man who was born for righteousness, and righteousness dwells in you. And their whole thesis is that the the book of Enoch as a, a pseudepigraphal work, which automatically they you know they make the assumption that it's pseudepigraphal, that right. somebody else took the name of Enoch and wrote this, mm-hmm. which is you know pretty common in modern scholarship you know making that claim. There's no uh, it, the the reason they say that though, is because of modern references to various uh, lands that they assume were not uh, around at the time of Enoch. Or they're they're mentioning various you know, lands like Damascus or what have you, uh, you know, different places that we would assume didn't exist until after the flood. And I, I think we address that in when we come across those things. Is that like, look, he's seeing the future, right? You know, he's up in heaven. He's seeing all of time at once. I mean, we'll see that in a few chapters from now, where he's got the whole animal apocalypse, you know, yes. vision of mm-hmm. all of history from Adam to the millennial reign. Right. So talking about you know talking about our current time as well as time that we have yet to encounter ourselves, and the first part of the book says it's not for this generation, but for a remote future generation that will live in the yes. day of tribulation. So with all that in mind, I'm going well. If if, he, 
why would you why would you say that you know Isaiah or some of these other prophets can can prophesy about things that wouldn't happen for 500 plus years later you know I think it's like 500 years from Isaiah to Yeshua and so why can you accept that Yeshua is being spoken of in Isaiah 53 500 years later and not accept that Enoch could be given a prophetic f- future you know uh, far distant or, right. or John for that matter you know if we believe that we're headed to the tribulation I believe we're we're seeing perhaps the beginning of the peeling of the third seal right now um, th- John wrote that 2,000 years ago mm-hmm. so if we can believe that other prophets of scripture could write about things that were not known to them at that time but you know are becoming known to us at our time um, or you know like Old Testament stuff that prophesied about New Testament stuff why couldn't you accept that Enoch could do the same thing and be given specific names? Exactly. Yes, because God does know the end from the beginning. Yeah, so I don't, and, uh, I don't have reveals a, that to the prophets. So. so, so you know, some of these arguments, I'm like, come on, guys. You, it, like, it goes to you know, same thing with like the the flat Earth thing. Is like, look, two plus two is not the only way to get to four. Right. If you lock yourself into the mentality that that well, that's it. That's the only solution to get you to four. Then, then you run into problems. You have to kind of step back, think outside the box, and say, "Well, you know, is that the only way to four? No, it's not the only way to four. You know, I ten minus six that get me to four. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So, you know, if if the Lawrence translation is correct, uh, then that, that would actually make sense that because Ezekiel was called a son of man. Mm-hmm. You know. So if there are passages in the book of Enoch using the phrase son of man to specifically address the prophet, as well as this other character who's been around with the Ancient of Days since the beginning, you know, that the long predates Enoch and that all people will pay homage to and that, you know, all things will be under his feet and, you know, all that stuff, then why would we, why would we be okay with Ezekiel being called the son of man, but not okay with Enoch being the son of man. Interestingly right. enough, Ezekiel is the other guy who got taken up. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Or no, that was Elijah. Well, he was taken yeah, up. Elijah. In, right, he was taken yeah. up in a vision, but uh-huh, right. Still, you know, he saw things. You know, so you know, frankly, I see arguments like, but people latch on to that and say, "Oh, see, Enoch's heretical because of this." I'm like, "Yeah, what if there's another way of looking at it?" <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Right. And this is one passage. You know, and there's how many? In yeah, how many? We hope Enoch, uh, you know, speaking of the Son of Man, I mean, well, on. yeah, their their contention, going back to what I was saying about the pseudepigraphal work, is that they're saying, you know, modern scholarship will say uh, apocryphal literature a lot of times will will have a, a famous name attached to it and be written as a pseudepigraphical, uh, you know, uh, work, and so they're saying in they want to classify everything in a genre and I'm going okay you know, we write for a genre today it's like okay I'm writing Seed which is sci-fi fantasy genre you know other people write romance novels so that's a romance genre or film noir or you know mystery or whatever you know horror these guys weren't doing that they weren't picking a you know a, oh, let's see I'm going to write in the poetic genre you know they were writing whatever they were inspired to write to whomever they were inspired to write to the, right. the, and so, you know, modern scholars come along and say, well, this this is in the genre of blah, blah, blah. And so, therefore, they pigeonhole it into this, mm-hmm. 
you know, little box and they want to apply all the, you know, hermeneutics that they understand about that little box to that and you know, claim to understand it. I'm like, yeah, that's not how it was written. Right. Yeah, often these early testimonies are written for their children, you know, for their yeah, uh, latter generations. Yeah, their offspring. Yeah. Yeah, so I I don't think that's a very good argument. They're, they're saying what what it was trying to build up to is that you're, you're reading this epic tale. It almost is, They want to write Enoch off almost like the epic of Gilgamesh, right? Uh, and, and so in the hero's journey, so to speak, you find out that Enoch is that son of man. So, ta-da! That's what oh the pre- that's what the previous seventy chapters were building up to the big reveal, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's if you're assuming this is an uh, the authorship was designed for this genre for that purpose, and I don't make that assumption. No, not at all. And then again, looking at the full context, um, yeah, it's overall, clear. that's yeah. where you're cherry picking. If you're just looking at right, you know, they're saying a few chapters leading up to it were, were the setup for this reveal. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you go by that logic, you kind of you can kind of see what they're saying. You're like, eh, yeah. But if if but we've read stuff back in what the the 40s, chapter 40s, 40s yeah, 46. Yeah, that yeah. were like, you know, how many times we say on the show, who's that talking about? You know, right, Dave exactly. Murphy, yeah. you know, or anybody else that right. wants to deny Yeshua is the Messiah. Right. Yeah. So, not not buying the argument. Sorry, David. Uh, David Wilbur. Yeah, me either. And then I know that, um, you know, with regard to the overall, the the Book of Enoch, there's so much truth revealed within it that you can't find anywhere else. And then you see it quoted uh, so many times in Scripture, even by uh, Yahushua himself, you know, with regard to uh, chapter 15, uh, that the angels don't marry in heaven. I mean that's a direct quote from from the book of Enoch as well so Yeah um I haven't got the uh Heiser commentary on Enoch yet have you No Mm-mm. Yeah I'm, I'm, I'm Yeah I didn't I'm, even know you did something on that Yeah we, we mentioned a, f- a few shows back that I had seen uh, I think uh, Oh yeah that's right yeah. Uh, Kevin Stoll's like hey check this out Um I need to order that but there's another one that I have uh Dr. Ken Johnson has a book called the Ancient Book of Enoch uh, published by Ken Johnson, Th.D., and uh, he gives some really good commentary in the beginning of it. Um, some of his commentary I don't agree with, but he's got some really good, you know, stuff backing up, you know, quotes from various uh, so-called church fathers and you know people mm-hmm. living in the, you know, few centuries after Christ um, that were certainly endorsing it as scripture and then showing the many references, internal references within scripture that appear to find precedence nowhere else except the Book of Enoch. Um, like, he's got a little chart here. He says, uh, look at these charts below to see Enoch's doctrines and prophecies and how they line up with Scripture. I'll just give a few for an example. He's cool. got he's got three columns. He's got the column one is biblical phrases quoted from Enoch. Column two is the chapter and verse in Enoch. And then chapter, uh, column three is the biblical verse. Uh, he says... Head and not the tail, Enoch 103.11, Isaiah 9.14. Sinners will be weighed in the balances, Enoch 41.1, Daniel 5.27. God has no respect of persons, Enoch 63.8, Ephesians 6.9. It is better for sinners if they were never born, Enoch 38.2, Mark 14.21. We will be protected under his wings, Enoch 39.7, Psalm 17.8. And it goes on for pages. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, and, And I've seen other 
uh, charts like this that people have done, and you know, the, there are there, there are well over a hundred references in Scripture that find no pref- precedence in the internal canonized sixty-six books or even the eighty extended books. Mm-hmm. You know, things that that are said that find precedence only in the in book the of book of Yeah, and so they want to say, well, you know. You know, Enoch is only only dates to between 400 and 200 BC. I'm like, correction, the oldest known copies of the book right. of Enoch date back to you know that. And by the way, you got the same problem with most of the other texts. You know, uh, because I mean, what well, this stuff was written on parchment and stuff, so the stuff wears out. Yes. So they have to right. re- recopy it. Recopy, yes, and, and so remake know, it. Right. We have the same problem with all the scrolls that we exactly, have. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Oh well. Uh, so, what, what chapter are we picking up on? Seventy-eight, I believe, in the Charles. Seventy-eight in Charles. So uh, it should be seventy-seven for you, maybe. Probably seventy-seven. Let me scroll back on that. Seventy-seven. Uh, yeah. Okay. Because we we did that one chapter last week and spent the whole time sp- right. spin off talking about all kinds of stuff. That's right. Yeah, it was a good show, though. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah. That was cool. Well, let's see what happens with this one. Chapter 77 right. in the Lawrence translation. The names of the sun are these. One, Aries. The other, Tomas. The moon has four names. The first is Asonia. The second, Ebla. The third, Benes. And the fourth, Ere. That's it's Ebla. Have you ever heard of the Ebla tablets? I think it's called the Ebla tablets. Mm-hmm. Ebla tablets. I have to look that up. I'm I'm pretty sure there's something called the Ebla tablets. These are the two great luminaries whose orbs are as the orbs of heaven, and the dimensions of both are equal. In the orb of the sun, there is a seventh portion of light, which is added to it from the moon. So the sun's getting light from the moon. Mm. Uh-huh. But by measure, it is put in until a seventh portion of the light of the sun is departed. They set, enter into the western gate circuit by the north and through the eastern gate go forth over the face of heaven when the moon rises it appears in heaven and the half of the seventh portion of light is all which is in it in 14 days the whole of its light is completed by three quintuplets light is put into it until in 15 days its light is completed according to the signs of the year it has three quintuples. The moon has the half of a seventh portion. During its diminution, on the first day its light decreases a fourteenth part. On the second day it decreases a a thirteenth part. On the third day, twelfth part. On the fourth day, an eleventh part. On the fifth day, a tenth part. On the sixth day, a ninth part. On the seventh day, it decreases an eighth part. On the eighth day, it decreases a seventh part. On the ninth day, it decreases a sixth part. On the tenth day, it decreases a fifth part. On the eleventh day, it decreases a fourth part. On the twelfth day, it decreases a third part. On the thirteenth day, it decreases a second part. On the fourteenth day, it decreases a half of its seventh part. And on the fifteenth day, the whole remainder of its light is consumed. On stated months, the moon has twenty-nine days. It also has a period of twenty-eight days. Uriel likewise showed me another regulation when light is poured into the moon how it is poured into it from the sun all the time that the moon is in progress while its light with its light it is poured into it 
in the presence of the sun until its light is in 14 days completed in heaven. And when it is wholly extinguished, its light is consumed in heaven. And on the first day, it is called the new moon. For on that day, light is received into it. So that would be a justification for the sighted moon, crescent moon yes, being the new the moon. the waxing crescent, yes. Yeah. It becomes precisely completed on the day that the moon descends into the west while the moon ascends at night, excuse me, that the sun descends into the west while the moon ascends at night from the east. The moon then rises all the night until the sun rises before it when the moon disappears in turn before the sun. Where light comes to the moon, there again it decreases until all its light is extinguished and the days of the moon pass away. Then its orb remains solitary without light. During three months, it affects in 30 days each month its period, and during three more months, it affects it in 29 days each. These are the times in which it affects its decrease in its first period and in the first gate, namely in 177 days. And at the time of its going forth, during three months, it appears 30 days each, and during three more months, it appears 29 days each. In the night, it appears for each 20 days as the face of a man, and in the day as heaven, for it is nothing else except its light. It is nothing else except its light. It's not dirt. Right. Hmm. All right. 78 in the Charles. And the names of the sun are the following, the first, Orjares, and the second, Tomas. And the moon has four names. The first name is Asanya, and the second, Ebla, the third, Benaz, and the fourth, Ere. These are the two great luminaries. Their circumference is like the circumference of the heaven, and the size of the circumference of both is alike. In the circumference of the sun, there are seven portions of light which are added to it more than to the moon. And in definite measures, it is a transferred till the seventh portion of the sun is exhausted. And they set and enter the portals of the west and make their revolution by the north and come forth through their eastern portals on the face of the heaven. And when the moon rises, one fourteenth part appears in the heaven. The light becomes full in her. On the fourteenth day, she accomplishes her light. And fifteen parts of light are transferred to her till the fifteenth day, when her light is accomplished according to the sign of the year, and she becomes fifteen parts. And the moon grows by the addition of 14 parts. And in her waning, the moon decreases on the first day to 14 parts of her light, on the second to 13 parts of light, and on the third to 12, on the fourth to 11, on the fifth to 10, on the sixth to nine, on the seventh to eight, on the eighth to seven, on the ninth to six, and on the 10th to five, on the 11th to four, on the 12th to 3, on the 13th to 2, on the 14th to the half of a 7th, and all her remaining light disappears wholly on the 15th. And in certain months, the month has 29 days, and once 28, 
And Uriel showed me another law when light is transferred to the moon and on which side it is transferred to her by the sun. During all the periods during which the moon is growing in her light, she is transferring it to herself. When opposite to growing in her light, she is transferring it to herself. Uh, when opposite to the sun, during 14 days, her light is accomplished in the heaven. And when she is illumined throughout, her light is accomplished full in the heaven. And on the first day, she is called the new moon, for on that day the light rises upon her. She becomes full moon exactly on the day when the sun sets in the west, and from the east she rises at night, and the moon shines the whole night through till the sun rises over against her, and the moon is seen over against the sun. On the side whence the light of the moon comes forth, there again she wanes till all the light vanishes and all the days of the month are at an end. And her circumference is empty, void of light. And three months she makes of 30 days. And at her time she makes three months of 29 days each in which she accomplishes her waning in the first period of time. And in the first portal for 177 days and in the time of her going out she appears for three months of 30 days each and for three months she appears of 29 each at night she appears like a man for 20 days each time and by day she appears like the heaven and there is nothing else in her save her light very cool <clears throat> um uh, a couple things occurred to me as we were listening to, uh, as I was listening to you, uh, and as I was reading it. Also, uh, number one, people need to check this out. If you haven't done so already, go uh, look up the YouTube channel Thunderbolts Project. Now, these people are not what we consider biblical cosmologists, but they are, you know, PhD level, you know, highly qualified scientists out there who are in opposition to the standard model of the cosmos. And especially in terms of uh, how the luminaries work, uh, and they're all about the the electroplasma universe, and how you know they, they got PhD scientists on there saying, "Look, the sun is not what you've been told," you know, uh, and they just describe things very very differently than what we've all been taught in science class. So you know, when I look at these guys and I listen to what they're saying and apply it to the biblical cosmology, I'm going, man, these guys are closer to it than anybody that I've seen so far. You know, they're not there yet on that, but something worth looking into. Um, the other thing that occurred to me, let me do a, see if I can do a screen share here um, from my PowerPoint uh, discussing the uh, what we've talked about a few times before, uh, <clears throat> how the four corners of the, wor of the earth work. Um, and you got this right away. It it took me a while <laughs> to get this. Like literally, I just got it just now. <laughs> like, like okay, dude, it took me long enough. Where you know it, it's talking about the sun setting in the west and then going to the north. Right. Yeah. If you're thinking about that in terms of a globe, 
it, that doesn't make sense. Wait a minute. The, no. sun, the sun, and I was doing that, like, literally yeah. up, up until 10 minutes ago, <laughs> 15 minutes ago, whatever it was. You know, I was I was still applying old school thinking to what was, and you've been saying it all along, is like, you know, the only way that works is in a circle. And even when you were saying right. that, I wasn't getting it. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm going to break. <laughs> all right, we'll be right back for a second hour, everyone. Censorship and regulation is becoming an ever-growing problem in today's modern media. From the mainstream to YouTube and Google, the information you're looking for is buried by official narratives and propaganda. This is why TFR is 100% uncensored, unregulated, and listener-supported. The shows on TFR are not micromanaged by the station, and our hosts are free to speak their minds however they please. As such, the views and opinions expressed on our station are of those who make them. If you happen to hear anything offensive on TFR, please send us an email to toughtitty at tfrlive.com and we'll be happy to tell you that we really don't give a damn. We stand for freedom of speech and non-censorship. If you also stand for free speech, you can go to tfrlive.com slash sign up and sign up for a TFR supporter pass and help us in our mission to keep the airwaves uncensored and unregulated. TFR Live your uncensored and unregulated protection from deception. An outline is out. I'm Lisa Lacerra, Fox News. Many states have already taken action as cases of COVID-19 ease, but the guidelines for reopening from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are now out. Making the case each community is unique, the Centers for Disease Control posted a decision tool to its website listing benchmarks to meet before reopening business, schools, and community centers. Depending on the level of risk of spreading infection, the guidelines still suggest various forms of social distancing, cleaning practices, and regulating how many people are inside a business at any given time. Earlier versions of the document also offered detailed information for churches to restart in-person services. Those recommendations were removed because of concerns inside the administration of dictates to places of worship. Jared Halpern, Fox News. A government scientist who filed a whistleblower complaint after he says he was demoted for not promoting a drunk President Trump was pushing as a treatment for COVID-19 appeared before a House panel today. Dr. Rick Bright slammed the administration's response to the pandemic. The American health care system is being taxed to the limit. Our economy is spiraling downward and our population is being paralyzed by fear stemming from a lack of a coordinated response and a dearth of accurate, clear communication about the path forward. President Trump brushed off the complaint, saying he doesn't know Dr. Bright and saying he sounds like a disgruntled employee. The New York Stock Exchange will partially reopen its trading floor later this month with modifications after closing it in late March. The president of the NYSE says a small group of brokers will be on the floor the day after Memorial Day. They'll wear protective masks and follow social distancing guidelines and they'll need to avoid public transportation to limit potential exposure to the virus. America is listening to Fox News. You must unite what is been set We are TFR. Truth Frequency Radio.
All right, welcome back, everybody. And I did post into the chat rooms uh, the video that we had um, we talked about on a very on one of your shows previously about the way that the sun moves and how it is cited in the Book of Enoch as moving from the east to the west and then north and back to the east, which again is a circle. And the only way that you can explain these passages and there's one here in chapter 71 on the great luminary where it says the exact same thing it says the sun sets in heaven and returning by the north to proceed towards the east is conducted so as to enter by that gate and illuminate the face of heaven and so you're saying that it just clicked for you <laughs> yeah dude I'm a, I'm a little slow on the uptake I think sometimes uh, let me go back to that um yeah, I mean, you, you've done diagrams of it. You've explained it. You've been on my show talking about it. You've been on your show talking about it. Here it is right here in verse 5. And they set and enter the portals uh, of the west and make their revolution by the north and come forth through the eastern portals on the face of the heaven. Made no sense to me at all. Like, <laughs> all the times I've heard you d describe it, put it up on the screen, show it, and all of a sudden... You know, the light bulb goes on, bing, oh, <laughs> now I get it. The only way that works is on a circle, but it only works if you assume a vantage point, um, and I believe that vantage point is from Israel, uh, f for north. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Be because, you know, anywhere else that doesn't really work. But if you're, if, if, and what I have on the screen right now is from my presentation I did in Canada, and I think I've done it at uh, the International Flat Earth Conference also, uh, <clears throat> was how the four corners of the Earth work from the vantage point of Israel. When you have from there, because yeah, the biblical references to north, south, east, west are from there. You know, a, a nation will come from the north. Well, north of what? North of Israel. You know. Uh, so when we see those reference points going north from Israel, assuming the four corners are actual geographic locations upon which an angel can stand, they, that's why they can't be the cardinal points like on a globe because there's no geographic location called east. Yes, there right. is a, there is West Point, a military academy, but other than that, there's no geographic location labeled west. You know, there's no place for angels to be standing in Revelation seven one. Um, and all the other references that I have. So if you assume Israel is your 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 vantage point, north would be a corner on the square within which the circle is inscribed, east, south, west, and so forth. So it just clicked on me. I'm like, oh, you said it all along. It's a circle. I'm like, yeah, don't get it. Now I'm like, okay, so from there, from Israel, if I'm watching the sun go to the west, it then makes its circuit to the north, Yes. And it comes back around to the east. Right. Dwee! <laughs> like, like, uh, well, at least I got there. At least I arrived. <laughs> Better late than never, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, at least you get it. And I'm now um, showing a portion from the, I don't know if you can see it, I'm seeing oh. a shared screen. Uh, let me switch it. And this is from that short 10-minute video. Um Zen Garcia plots the course of the sun over the flat earth as cited by Enoch. This is what Enoch is describing, where it moves from the east to the west and north and back to the east, a circle. And this is how the sun moves over the course of the year. 
And, you know, as it goes back and forth between the tropics of Capricorn and the tropics of Cancer, creating the year. This and makes we so see... much more sense to me now. Like, how long yeah. is it? How many years has this been? Now? <laughs> like... Well, I'm, I'm glad that you got it. Hey, yeah. ooh, I crossed the finish line. Right? <laughs> and see, that that is the... You know, that is the key for unlocking the Book of Enoch, because unless you apply those motions to the backdrop of the earth like this, it does not make sense. No. But once you understand that Enoch is describing the motions of the sun and the moon in a circle like this, then... Yeah, there's no way you can make that work on a globe. No. Because you can be like, the sun goes to the, the east. Even, even if you went, like, the, the Dr. Syngenis... Uh, you know, he believes that the Bible is geocentric and that the sun, moon, and stars move around the earth and the earth is stationary. That wouldn't make sense either. You know, if right, the, the, the sun right. goes, because if the sun is going to around the earth to the west, there's no way for it to go north and still, right. and still for the next part of the globe, for it to still appear like it's coming from the east. Yes, exactly. It'd be coming right. from the north. And that may solve a problem, too, because other people are like, they're trying to say, well, how can this be? And, uh, you know, I think that that, I think that that resolves the problem. It's like, no, dude, like, y y I, actually, I don't know what his, uh, what, what St. Genesis' take is on the Book of Enoch anyway. He may not even recognize it, but regardless, Scripture says that at the circle of the earth, says the sun and move are move, move sun and moon are moving and it says that the sun moves on its circuit circuit circle uh coming out of the of the chamber like a bridegroom to run a race right in a circle this only makes sense like that yeah absolutely yeah and psalms 19 i mean it fits right in with exactly what is described here and um again when you look at the Targum version of Ecclesiastes, which we discussed that passage in this particular short 10-minute clip. As I said, people can look it up. Zen Garcia plots the course of the sun over the flat earth uh, in YouTube. And it's like 10, 15 minutes long, and it's an excerpt where we were speaking about how the Targum version of Ecclesiastes 1, uh, verses 5 through 7, they speak about the sun moving north, and whereas in verse 6, that southward motion is attributed to the wind, it's actually in the Targum attributed to the sun, because again, it's moving back and forth between the tropics of Cancer and Capricorn, and it creates the seasons, just as Enoch describes in chapter 71 on the Great Luminary and the motions, the movements of it as it circles uh, in this manner over the course of the seasons. Very cool. Somebody in the chat room is like, the earth isn't flat, that is stupid. Because of topography, mountains, hills, and valleys, the earth is motionless. Uh, three. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's denying topography. You know, even if you say the earth is a globe, you'd have to use that same rationale. Well, it's not a ball. It can't be a ball because we have mountains. Three. No, That's it. No, People no, are so no, picky. That is not, <laughs> Nobody's saying pancake. We all recognize. Right. We all in either model. We are recognizing topography. So, no, sorry, dude. That's a stupid argument. Right. But this makes sense, man. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Like, I, I should have got it. You know, you know, what what year was it when we did that video? <laughs> 2015. Fifteen. Yeah. Five years. Well, hey, at least I got here. 
Maybe. Yeah, the leads are gone now. <laughs> All right. Uh, <clears throat> so back to the um, back to the narrative. The text. Um, yeah. It is interesting talking about the sun. Uh, well, I, I meant to look up the Ebla tablets. Um, maybe we can check that out too. Um, but it was saying the sun is receiving something here. Where was it? The sun is receiving a seventh part or something. You remember? Mm-hmm. From the moon, right? Yeah, so uh, you know that that's bizarre, right? I mean, if yeah, we, if we think uh, if there's nothing in the scripture that says the Earth is a reflective rock, uh, dirt. Um, we were out walking the other night, and it was a full moon, and it was a big, bright, like it was like a spotlight up there. I mean, it was mm-hmm. so bright, and I'm going, shine a flashlight on dirt. <laughs> You're not gonna get that. Uh-huh. You know, like, it was lighting up everything. I mean, this was a big, bright spotlight up there. And I'm going, how could we believe... And, and and furthermore, how can we believe that we're reflecting off the red dirt of Mars and seeing it as a glowing star? You know, or any of the other right. so-called mm-hmm. planets, for that matter. You know, uh, if they're all reflective dirt and gas, how how do we believe that? Mm-hmm. Now, well, I, I understand... To some degree, why we believe it? Because if you if you spend any time looking through a telescope, uh, the moon it, it does look like you know the way the shadows are working on the in the craters and the mountains and what have you, that uh, it does look like it's receiving light. You know, in, in terms of uh, the the way the shadows work. And yeah, I'll be honest, I don't I don't totally understand how that works. If it's a, a self illuminating orb, um, how are we getting the shadows that we're getting? I don't have the answer to that. Yeah, I I don't either, but um, I have read in several really cryptic passages of these two objects that are said to be clouds in some manner and that they are what creates the phases of the moon. Um, How that works, I don't know, but we do know that it is moving in one-seventh portion that the light is reduced by one seventh portion and that, you know, as we see here in this portion of the book of Enoch, it does describe the new moon as being equated with the waxing crescent. And it does attribute the dimensions of both the sun and the moon to be similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, th- these are all things to really consider, especially when, you see the phenomena of the the solar eclipse, and I'm not, you know, saying that that is caused even by the moon because um, certainly the the way that the eclipse played out this past year, you didn't. It was a perfectly smooth circle, um, and then we know that. You know, there's things like the lesser moon spoken about mm-hmm. in the Book of Enoch, the Rahu Ketu, and the Vedic cosmogony, and um, how you know the moon has these craters or these ridges, and it doesn't seem to be as perfectly as smooth as what we saw um, the shadow eclipsing the sun, and so it makes you makes you wonder. Yeah, you know, I there's a, I have more questions even to this day than I have answers. And I'm actually okay with that. 
Yeah, like, I am too. And mm-hmm. back in 2015, I wasn't so okay with it. 15 and 16, I wanted to. I wanted. I had all the yeah, but questions everybody has, and I wanted to solve all the problems and figure out well, how does this work? How does that work? Uh, you know, finally, I just said, you know what? I'm out of my wheelhouse. I've, I've been out of my wheelhouse for a long time. I know what I'm good at. I know what I. I know what I know, and I, I know what I don't know, and I know what I'm not going to figure out. <laughs> so I'm good with it. Let's let somebody else figure it out. I don't know how that works. All I know is we're not what we're seeing is not what we've been taught, and that goes for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I posted a video a couple of days ago uh, by a, 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 a woman doctor physician here in Dallas that spoke over the weekend, uh, talking about how you know the whole protocol for COVID nineteen and everything is just a fraud, and <laughs> you know she was like you know uh, oh I forget the name of it now basically the malaria medicine. That you know, she brings pac- patients come in and she gives them that. Uh, what is it? I forget the name of it. Anyway, that it. Uh, you like know, Respiradil or something like that. No, it's it's. I'm, I'm thinking chloro. The malaria cl- stuff. Chloro something another. Uh, it starts with a C, I think. But anyway, whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. It, it um, you know, she's having people 100% cured w- within 24 to 48 hours. Wow. And she's like, you know, forget all this crap that they're trying to put out. You know, this is, and you, you know, you just kind of step back and and think about everything that's coming from me. I've been watching um, the mini series on Netflix, uh, um, Waco. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. And like, because c- c- the the TV series is based on two novels. One by the guy uh, uh, Thibodeau. Who was actually one of the people who survived? Who, yeah. Yeah, who survived Waco? So it, you know that book's from his perspective inside the compound, and the other book that is based on is from the negotiator, the, the the FBI guy that was trying to you know save everybody and trying to you know work this out peacefully, and so he was seeing what was going on from his side. So you know the TV series, you know if we're to assume that they're honest with it, and it looks like all the people involved included those writers uh so it has authenticity to it then and if if we can assume that that tv series is in fact telling the truth then you see how the media was manipulated and as a result the nation was manipulated like for for uh for instance um they they needed milk because the women were no longer lactating because of the stress and everything that was going on so they were trying to negotiate to get milk in there and the fbi is like okay well send out four children and we'll give you milk for the babies. And they're like, okay, so you want us to sacrifice some of our existing children to save, you know, our our babies? Like, no, that doesn't make sense. Why would we do that, you know? And and then you see how the FBI guy gets on TV and spins the narrative for the media and how everybody believes it. And I'm like, this is a microcosm. If you just, just watch Waco and see how we are easily manipulated. Manipulated, With simple... Untruths, and and then extrapolate that to everything else, you know, and it's so easy to see how we have been deceived about anything, you know. Mm-hmm. You always hear it's too big a conspiracy. No, it isn't. There, there was the uh, uh, sort of a, a documentary style. It, it was a movie made to look like a documentary, as if it was shot in the '60s, called um, Operation Avalanche, and. That movie was designed to to look like it was shot live as things were happening, documenting the space program, the early Apollo program, and when they realized that we can't go to the moon, 
and then it's going to have to be a, all a, a fraud, a, you know, a staged <laughs> event. And so one of the characters is like, well, how are we going to convince the American public, you know, that that this is real? And one of the guys is such a genius line. It's so potent and so powerful. He said, we don't need to convince everybody. All we need to do is convince Walter Cronkite. Right, right. Because if he's convinced, see, the whole nation trusts him. Right. He's the he's the face on the news that everybody loves and trusts. So if he believes it, if if he buys into this hook, line, and sinker, and and it doesn't mean he's in on it. It means he's deceived. Right. And he'll sell everybody else. He will sell his reaction to what is happening. Will mm. sell it to everybody else. So the whole world could easily be programmed by the reaction of one guy being deceived. And and then uh, sort of by contrast, we can see how the whole nation can be deceived by one guy lying. In this case, the FBI, you know, the main contact guy uh, with the media, by his story of twisting the events, mm-hmm. gets the whole. You know, I don't think I think David Koresh's theology was way off. You know, I'm certainly not endorsing it. But the reality of it is, they weren't hurting anybody. Right. You know, they and okay, he's 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 a we would consider him a false prophet, and people were being deceived by him. I get that. Yeah. There's no reason to kill women and children and burn places down with right. people in it, and you know, shoot right. people up. There's you know. Um, so you know, I, I just look around at everything from moon landing to cosmology to COVID nineteen to you name it, and going, man, we're being lied to about every freaking thing out there. Right, and it's absolutely easy to be deceived. Mm-hmm. Have you, uh, speaking of Waco, have you seen the infrared footage that was shot from above? No. Oh my gosh, it's this is. I mean, this is where you get the real story because it shows. Um, the heat signatures of the individuals oh. and the tanks and you know the tank that was spraying all that cs gas and how it it, it was literally running over um, people and they sprayed all the the gas into the faces of all these women and children and anybody that was trying to exit out uh, you could see that they had um, guys with machine guns surrounding the house and they were just shooting people and so there was no way for them to be able to exit and you can see all the the gunfire and oh, uh you know horrible. the it, it is horrible because it, it was a massacre it was a, a straight up massacre and it was something that they wanted to establish um because now you know the, with the patriot act you have christians and patriots targeted and they want to be able to use the alternative military tribunal system to declare somebody as a domestic terrorist and then strip away their habeas corpus rights, uh, you know, and then they can put them into this alternative system. But the whole thing of cracking down on Ruby Ridge and yeah. and Waco uh, is to uh, demonize um Christians that believed in their Second Amendment rights and that gathered together in communions or congregations where, you know, they um, were supporting each other with, you know, the biblical theologies and faith and traditions of that nature, uh, which again, I'm not at all endorsing Koresh. And, right. You know, especially if he was a pedophile, which everybody seems to agree that you know he was marrying uh, multiple wives and fathering children by other men's wives and so that's all really 
kind of strange and um, twisted as well. But but still, to be uh, to declare you know Christians uh, and just for having guns uh, as militants or terrorists, and then to go in and manipulating the media and to massacre them in fire and not only i mean they were shooting them uh with gunfire machine gun fire uh and then they sprayed that cs gas which killed many of them i mean it's horrible and i'll try to find um because this is footage i wish i would have saved it a long time ago but uh, and i did but some of the um, you know some of the old uh, external hard drives that i have um are not up to snuff anymore because of how old they were and then the connections and everything being different. But I can't access that footage now, but I'm going to try to find it. And if people don't know what I'm talking about, they should watch the infrared footage because it it tells the truth of the story. It's so horrible. It really is. All that to say, what I have become like – keenly aware of is just how easy it is to be deceived yes and you know you don't know when you're being deceived that's the whole you know the reason why we say you're deceived (laughs) right you don't you don't go into it say hey you know what i think i'm gonna believe a lie today right you know uh you was it was it uh uh samuel clemens or whatever mark twain said something Mm -hmm. about it's easier to deceive a man than it is to convince a man that he is deceived or something like that. Yeah, yeah I don't know the, I don't know the exact, exact quote, thing, but, but but you yeah. get the idea. Right. That that's certainly the case and that's why, you know, I keep even though I don't understand things and even though things frankly still make sense to me some things make sense to me on the globe. Um I, I've just seen too much in in the world for me to ever accept the world's explanation as the truth. And right. I'm like, you know what, father, that's when I finally just had to yield and say, you know what, I have never had a reason to doubt your word. So I'm going to just take a stand on it. It says what it says. You said that's all he would ever say to me. He's like, look, I said what I said. You know, take it or leave it. Um, I'm going to believe it. Um, and Enoch just solidifies it all the more for me. Yes, I absolutely agree. And, um, you know, like Capricorn 1, I mean. Great movie. They, yeah, they seem to have known something going back um, uh, to those times and these kind of documentaries being made that show. And without a doubt, I mean, they they did not go to the moon. And for people that still believe and support that whole lie, that in and of itself shows just how much uh, and how they were able to deceive the whole world even back then to where they actually had us believe that the astronauts on the moon took a call from <laughs> Richard Nixon. Right. You know? I mean, really, that's where they were really pushing it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right. this is the best phone call we've ever had, you know, and whatever <laughs> he's talking about. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> you talking mm-hmm. to the freaking moon. You know, now we believe we're controlling doom buggies, you know, on freaking Mars <laughs> right. by remote control. It's like, come on, man. Right. So anyway, <laughs> back yep. to uh back to the uh to the narrative. Um 
uh, it is interesting. It shows the lights being transferred. Now, mm-hmm. uh, if you if you go back to what I was telling people about the Thunderbolts project, I couldn't. I I don't know it well enough to articulate it. So I would just say, hey, go on there and check it out. And they probably got some stuff in their playlist and whatever uh, on that. But sh- showing if we think of an electroplasma universe where where things are exchanging energy. Uh, all the more so, and this is why uh, Bob Nodell got excited about it, because you know he understands all that a lot more than I do, as an engineer. Uh, like how the firmament would work, you know, for completing circuits and you know all that kind of stuff. When you start talking about electricity, magnetism, plasma, and all that kind of stuff, and factoring in, you know, a a cosmos that's designed that way and if, if gravity being more having to do with electromagnetism which in the 1920s they had already figured that out you know I've talked about uh-huh. the, I talked about Townsend Brown uh, in the book Hunt for Zero Point uh, and that's a great book people need to check out you know because they had created anti-gravitics in the 1920s anti-gravity and yeah they, that's amazing they did it with uh, you know reversing polarity and stuff with the electrogravitics you know, so it has nothing to do with, you know, mass and attraction the way the the Newton Einstein kind of concept of gravity that we have today. Like somebody got on to me, I, I was t- saying, "Hey, gravity works, right?" You know, when, with regard to raising a um, <laughs> a uh, a rain barrel up above your garden. So if if the water's higher, gravity will you know feed the water into the rest of the garden. And they're like, "Oh, I thought you were a flat earther. You don't believe in gravity." Look, that's just the word that we use to describe that which holds us down. Right, right. And the fact is, nobody knows what gravity. And we use the word because we have to have a word to to s- describe something. You know, why don't we fly in the air? Well, because gravity. But they even say we don't know what gravity is. Neil deGrasse Tyson and those guys. We'll be right back, everyone, for final segment. Reviews for Extendivite are amazing. Here are some from Amazon. September 2018. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I've been using Extendivite for many years now. May 2018. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. March 2018. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. February 2018. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now, and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. Tell us your story. Get Extendivite today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Balance of Nature's Fruits and Veggies in a Capsule. It's a great product. And the one thing I, I like about it the most is that when you open the bottles, you can smell like the, the scent of the fruits and veggies. It's no genius thing to it. It's really just fruits and veggies, which everyone needs. And they kind of, you guys kind of put it in a way where you can take it easy and you can get it and it's natural. And, and that's what I like about it. Yeah. I like the product and, uh, I've taken it and, and it's, it's definitely made me feel a lot better. You know, I am a healthy person to begin with, 
but it's it's a it's definitely good prevention and uh, it's definitely gives me energy and I feel like it's a natural thing. I like it. I really do. For a limited time, use discount code TALK to receive a 50% discount on your first preferred whole health system and have it shipped to you free. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go online to balanceofnature.com. Again, use discount code TALK. For millennia, mankind has been searching for answers to the big questions such as where did the universe come from? Where did we come from? Why are we here? Are we alone? And just what the heck is the Sasquatch all about? I can't promise you answers and neither can the Woo Crew, but they invite you to join them Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, midnight in the UK, for Freaky Friday, exclusively on Truth Frequency Radio. Spirituality, Multiverse, quantum mechanics, the occult, and so much conspiracy analysis that it will make your mind melt. Take my word for it. Freaky Friday. It's more than a show. It's a way of life. I'm Stephen Hawking, and I'm proud to be a Wookiee. This is Truth Frequency Radio. No hate. No hype. No fear. Real people. Real radio. back everybody for final segment the show does move so very quickly um i think i may have found the actual what what is the fleur the infrared footage um but i'm not positive but i will post the link in the chat room for people that may be interested if it's the same one that i've seen previously it shows you uh the infrared the footage where you can see the compound surrounded and the the gunfire and then the the tank going in and spraying the CS gas and all that it's just it's horrible it's tragic but um, there's no way that they can deny that it was a massacre if you watch this footage if it's what I had seen previously but um, don't want to detract I know that you know uh, we need to move through this particular book and text as well but is there anything else you wanted to bring up on this particular chapter um yeah there was something i uh, i'm trying to find it where where it went uh that talked about it has the face of a man right the very last sentence uh 
Oh yeah. <clears throat> um, let me share that there. In the night, it appears for each twenty days as the face of a man, and in the day as heaven, for it is nothing except its own light. That's kind of bizarre. <clears throat> yeah, and the only thing I could think uh, with regard to that is the way that the the moon uh, in the profile that it might look like. You know how they sometimes depict the crescent as the face or as a face. Well, yeah, uh, we've had that but, that that uh, idiom. You know, the man in the yeah, moon. Yeah, a long time, right? For forever, it seems like uh, you know every culture seems to have that. Sort of, uh, you know, understanding. Uh, you know, I've looked at the thing, and I, I just, I don't see it. I mean, I don't see the nose. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you always see the pictures <laughs> of the crescent moon with the nose, and it's got a little face on it. You know. Right. Or, or when you're looking at the, you know, they call them the seas on the moon. You know, the like sea of tranquility and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, the how, maris. Yeah, the maris. How they look like or supposedly look like a face of a man and I like I look I like it looks like a rabbit to me I don't I'm I'm not getting it you know maybe you know I'm 50 so it took me five years to get the circle thing right maybe I still don't get the man in the moon thing (laughs) yeah maybe another five years we'll revisit it maybe we'll find out (laughs) it's bizarre I never seen that it says that here in Enoch too though Um, well actually in in, uh, Charles it says at night she appears like a man uh, and then Lawrence says the fate. Well, it's in the italics, so he Lawrence inserted that as the face of a man. Uh, that's, that's interesting. Oh well. Um, <clears throat> did you want to just jump into yeah. to the next? Yeah, one? let's move on because uh, <laughs> it's, it's a- after this that we, you know the dream vision. So maybe we'll yeah cool. have a perfect setup for next next week. All right. Uh, so Lawrence, uh, what is this? Seventy eight. And now, my son Methuselah, I have shown thee everything, and the account of every ordinance of the stars of heaven is finished. He showed me every ordinance respecting these which takes place at all times and in all seasons, under every influence, in all years, at the arrival and under the rule of each, during each month and every week. He showed me also the decrees of the moon, which is effected in the sixth gate, for in the sixth gate is its light consumed. From this is the beginning of the month, and its decrease is effected in the sixth gate in its period until 177 days are completed according to the mode of computation by weeks, 25 weeks and two days. Its period is less than that of the sun according to the ordinance of the stars by five days in one half year precisely. When that their visible situation is completed, such is the appearance and likeness of every luminary, which Thiel, that's a new angel here, uh, the angel who conducts them showed me. That's the first time I heard of that guy. Hmm. All right. And now, my son, I have shown thee everything, and the law of all the stars of the heaven is completed. And he showed me all the laws of these for every day and for every season of bearing rule and for every year and for its going forth and for the order prescribed to it every month and every week and the waning of the moon which takes place in the sixth portal for in this sixth portal her light is accomplished and after that there is the beginning of the waning and the waning which takes place in the first portal in its season till 177 days are accomplished 
reckoned according to weeks, 25 weeks and two days. She falls behind the sun in the order of the stars exactly five days in the course of one period. And when this place which thou seest has been traversed, such is the picture and sketch of every luminary which Uriel the archangel, who is their leader, showed unto me. Oh, so it's, so it's saying uh, Uriel, or Uriel in the Charles translation in the yes. Lawrence, it says Thiel. Well, let me look it up in the... That's why it's like all these things always have multiple translations to compare because whenever you see a difference, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, what is that all about? Uh, what chapter is this? 77? 79 in the Charles. 78 for you, I think. Except it's light. Uh, URL. Uh, yeah, it says URL. So I guess uh, you know, Lawrence, maybe that could be a typo. <clears throat> um, uh, I also meant to uh, talk about something earlier. The Ebla tablets is something I looked up. Right. Um, and, and, but that's not named after the, well, it's named after a city in Syria, I believe. Let me look. The Ebla tablets are a collection of as many as 1,800 complete clay tablets, 4,700 fragments, and many thousands of minor chips found in the palace archives of the ancient city of Ebla, Syria. Um, <clears throat> I, I remember looking into this a while back because it, it stirred up a bit of a controversy. Like, you know, is Genesis a myth? Is Genesis just copying? You know, and different things like that. Uh -huh. uh, th that old line. But <clears throat> the idea that a place in Syria is named after a name of the moon is kind of interesting because uh, when I was uh, <clears throat> doing my Yahuwah Triangle research, you know, Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees, right? Mm -hmm. And he was told to leave his family and go by himself. Uh, but he didn't. He took his dad and his, uh, his uh, was it uncle, I think, uh, with him. Uh -huh. and, uh, and, and they went from, uh, where did they go? From Ur to Haran. Haran, yeah. And Haran was the name because there was a whole fiery furnace deal where Abraham was thrown into a fiery furnace. And, right. Uh, By Nimrod. Yeah. And his brother, uh, one of his brothers, I think, or Nahor. Uh, yeah. He, uh, uh, Haran died. I think it was Haran. One of them died. And so the, the place Haran was named after him. Ah, uh, okay. And but what I was reading is that because uh, we know both from the canonized text as well as extra biblical texts like Joshua that uh, that uh, um, Abraham's father Terah was an idol worshiper, uh -huh. and he was in fact the chief idol maker, right? For Nimrod. and the chief priest, yeah, yeah for, for, Nimrod. for Nimrod, and like his his primary base of operation was in Ur, uh, but he had a secondary place which was in Haran. Uh, so you know he just went from one idle place to another, and uh, and that's when God said, "Look, I, look, I told you, go, you get out of there, you leave your dad, you're going to Canaan, right?" Um, but the p patron god of uh, Haran, I believe it was, uh, was um, a moon god named Sin. Right. <laughs> so it's like, you know, he, he he's called out of Sin. You know, to, <laughs> right. to, to go to the land that God would call them to. But anyway, there's the, this whole idea of moon worship um, in that region. So the idea that um, 
there'd be a, a name of the moon being Ebla, also being the name of a city. It just that really just makes sense, conte- mm-hmm. contextually speaking. Yeah, and the the, the Muslims um, seem to be, and you know, even going back to, as you said, this god sin that being part of the moon, uh, moon god, that it's still the you know you see the crescent on top of all the, uh, a lot of the mosques, um, and even on their flags, and so in similarity that same the worship of this particular deity is ongoing even today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, did you have any other th- any thoughts of what we were reading here in this passage? Um, I do have an explanation out of all that from my book. Um, I'll, I'll just read that really quickly, and then we'll move on. The the and these are the numbers that are being spoken about here. The calculation of a lunar year can be determined by multiplying twenty nine days by six months and thirty days by six months, and then adding these two numbers together: twenty nine by six, one seventy four. Thirty by six equals 180 so 174 and 180 equals 354 the total number of days of a lunar year the calculation of a solar year can be determined by multiplying 30 days by 12 months and then adding the four days for the two equinoxes and solstices giving us 364 the total number of days of a solar year subtracting the number of days of a solar year 364 from the number of days of a lunar year 354 equals 10 the number of days of difference between these two yearly cycles. Dividing the 10 days by one half for each of the six month periods, you have five days and one half year precisely, which is the number of days that each half of the lunar year is less than the total number of days of every half of a solar year. And so this is what Enoch is talking about and describing this particular portion of the text. But yeah, we can move on. I think we can okay. finish this out. Uh, is there? Let's see. So this would be eighty. Eighty for for me. Okay, for you. So maybe seventy nine for you. Yeah, seventy nine. <clears throat> okay. Uh, in those days, Uriel answered and said to me, "Behold, I have showed thee all things, O Enoch, and all things have I revealed to thee. Thou seest the sun, the moon, and those which conduct the stars of heaven." which cause all their operations, seasons, and arrivals to return. In the days of sinners, the years shall be shortened. Their seed shall be backward in their prolific soil. And everything done on earth shall be subverted and disappear in its season. The rain shall be restrained, and heaven shall stand still. In those days, the fruits of the earth shall be late and not flourish in their season. And their season... the and in their season, the fruits of the trees shall be withholden. See, I don't have a black thumb. It's all, it's all been prophesied. <laughs> Plants aren't going to grow. Prophesied, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to confess that. Um, <clears throat> the moon shall change its laws and not be seen at its proper period. Now, this is interesting to me. The moon shall change its laws and not be seen in its proper period. But in those days shall heaven be seen. And barrenness shall take place in the borders of the great chariots in the west. Heaven shall shine more than when illuminated by the orders of light, while many chiefs among the stars of authority shall err, perverting their ways and works. 
those shall not appear in their season who command them and all the classes of the stars shall be shut up against sinners the thoughts of those who dwell on earth shall transgress with them and they shall be perverted in all their ways and they shall transgress and think themselves gods while evil shall be multiplied among them and punishment shall come upon them so that all of them shall be destroyed I know that Charles clears that up a bit so go ahead mm-hmm. and jump into the Charles okay Chapter 80. And in those days the angel Uriel answered and said to me, Behold, I have shown thee everything, Enoch, and I have revealed everything to thee, that thou shouldst see this sun and this moon and the leaders of the stars of heaven and all those who turn them, their tasks and times and departures. And in the days of the sinners the years shall be shortened, and their seed shall be tardy, on their lands and fields and all things on the earth shall alter and shall not appear in their time and the rain shall be kept back and the heaven shall withhold it and in those times the fruits of the earth shall be backward and shall not grow in their time and the fruits of the trees shall be withheld in their time and the moon shall alter her order and not appear at her time And in those days the sun shall be seen, and he shall journey in the evening on the extremity of the great chariot in the west, and shall shine more brightly than accords with the order of light. And many chiefs of the stars shall transgress the order prescribed, and these shall alter their orbits and tasks, and not appear at the seasons prescribed to them. And the whole order of the stars shall be concealed from the sinners. And the thoughts of those on the earth shall err concerning them. And they shall be altered from their ways. Yea, they shall err and take them to be gods. And evil shall be multiplied upon them. And punishment shall come upon them. So as to destroy all. Wow, there's a lot going on here. Uh, Interesting, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it starts off saying, uh, in the days of the sinners, the years shall be shortened. Uh, You know, Yeshua said, except those days be shortened, no flesh would be saved. Right, yes. So there's an internal reference right there, uh, almost verbatim. Um, So we have a situation where the the produce of the earth is, is altered, It's not coming forth when it's supposed to. The moon shall alter her order. See, this is why, you know, I I think in in the last days, people are going to be without excuse. Uh If if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure I got the address right, but I believe it's Revelation 14, maybe, where uh, Yahuwah sends out an angel to proclaim the the gospel to all the world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we as humans have the great commission to be doing that, and we should be doing that. But we're, there's going to be an angel that's going to go forth and do it. So everybody's going to hear it, you know. So so you want you're not going to have the argument. Well, what about deepest darkest Africa where they've never heard a missionary or whatever? <laughs> like it's going to go out. Everybody's going to hear it. Right now, w- whether that occurs before, during, or after what we're reading here, uh, that I don't know. But there, you know, Yeshua said there's going to be signs in the sun, in the moon, and the stars. Right. Yes. He said that. So, again, that's a callback to Enoch, because Enoch tells you what the signs are going to be. Right, exactly, yes. Because, um, you know, if you just read the, you know, Matthew 24, Luke 21 passage, 
that's a vague. What does that mean? Signs in the sun, the moon. What? Mm-hmm. What? What are we gonna? What? Are, what are the signs? What are we gonna see? You know, Enoch's telling you, well, it's not gonna show up when it's supposed to, and the things are gonna do different things. Um, yes. Stars are gonna start moving around and doing stuff. Um, I've seen some things myself where I was, you know, just laying out, you know, nice, cool night, looking up at the stars, and all of a sudden, you know, a, what what I would consider a little constellation of stars, all of a sudden start moving and doing stuff. You know, it was sitting there doing its thing for a while, and then it starts moving. Like what? Um, yeah, you know, I've seen some weird stuff. Rick Hummer mm-hmm. called me freaking. I haven't called him and talked to him about it yet, but he he was doing the same thing. He said just the other day, he just went outside, just to go up and look at the sky, and uh, he's like, dude, like, I've seen some really weird stuff, man. Things are happening up there. Um, you know, more and more people are going to see, see stuff like that, but that's gonna yeah, in- I agree. That's gonna increase. Um, in those days, the sun shall be seen. Okay, the moon shall alter her order and not appear at a time, so the moon is not going to pop up when it's supposed to. In those days, the sun shall be seen, and he shall journey in the evening on the extremity of the great chariot in the west, and shall shine more brightly than accords with the order of light. So that's going to flip everybody up. So Copernican model is going to go out the window one way or another. So hang on, <laughs> hang right. on, flat earthers. <laughs> Your day's coming when everybody that's making fun of you are going to be like, ah, uh, what? Something's going on here. Um, because, you know, for, for the Copernican model, for anything that we're seeing here to actually happen, that would require altering of the Earth's rotation and orbit, you know. For, for, mm-hmm. for, but for the geocentrists, they'll be like, okay, well, you know, that's weird. Something's going on. You know, the Earth is stationary in their ver- view. Um, <clears throat> and in the, the biblical worldview that you and I have, you know, we, we recognize the sun, moon, and stars are up there doing their thing over a stationary right. f- flat right. Earth. So... Yes. Uh, you know, I think I've told you before, and I've mentioned it certainly on a number of shows before, that I had a, it was more than a dream, man. It was like a, a very powerful, like I was there kind of open vision type of thing. Where vision, yeah. I was uh, at the end of uh, Lake Louisville, is a large reservoir near where I live. It's about seven miles across. I was doing some long distance photography there, you know, t- testing the globe. And uh, I was underneath an overpass bridge where the shoreline was. And I heard this loud, like, massive boom sound. It was in the middle of the afternoon. I was doing my tests and this loud boom and the sun shut off. <laughs> like it's, Whoa. Just, it's just like poof. the sun was up high in the sky, clear day. It just shut off. Wow. And it was a blacker black black darkness than anything that I've ever encountered in my life. Like you could put your hand right right in front of your face and couldn't see it. You know, oh, like the crucifixion. Yeah. Or in like uh you know the X three hours of darkness, yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I look at this passage here, you know, the sun, moon, and stars are going to start doing weird stuff. You know, I'm going, oh, boy. And uh, the whole order of the stars should be concealed from the sinners, and the thoughts of those on earth sh- shall err concerning them. Concerning them. What What's the them there? The antecedent is the stars. So yes. uh, they'll be altered in their ways, and people shall err. They shall err and take them to be gods. And I just posted something about this on Facebook the other day saying, look, you know, there's a reason the ancients looked at those as sentient beings. And Mars, they, 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 we named so-called wandering planets after sentient beings. You know, yes. Jupiter, Zeus, you know, that's right. the, the Roman version of the Greek, Zeus, you know, Mars is Aries and, and so forth. Um, you know, and, and you got to realize in the biblical times, uh, King Wells has a, a book, um, 
called Ancient Myths in the Bible. And in the book, he's talking about how we should understand the Bible from a mythological worldview. Now, he's not saying we should write the Bible off as mythology. What he means by that is, look, you need to understand that what we now call myth, the people in the Bible were living in a day when they believed it as truth. Right. It's so much so that they they thought Paul was the Mercury, the messenger yes. of the God, and Barnabas mm-hmm. was Zeus. Right. Like, you know. With the miracles they were accomplishing, yeah. Yeah, you know, and because Paul is a spokesperson, they felt like, well, he's a spokesperson of the gods, so he must be Mercury, right? So, yeah, right. You know, and, and they talk about um, Diana of the Ephesians and stuff, how they, you know, she fell from Jupiter, and, you know, that there was an understanding that there was a being that came down from the skies that started out as what you perceive as we would consider a star and walked among men as a sentient being. And Enoch's telling you that's going to happen again. This is why right. the ancient aliens crowd is. This is why I firmly believe the devils had a plan. Oh no doubt, yeah. That he's setting us up for, which is why we've had what twelve, thirteen, fourteen seasons, or whatever it is, of ancient aliens out there programming mm-hmm. people, so that when this mm-hmm. stuff starts happening, that's what they're going to believe. Yeah, absolutely. And so many people are going to be ripe for accepting that, you know, because again, the whole strong delusion, and they they have no love of the truth. And that they will be uh, swept away, caught up in this strong delusion sent by God. Yeah, we're interested. We're in for some interesting days ahead, man. Right. You know how far off? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know, but uh, you know, with what's happening in the world right now, I'll tell you, my my timeline is truncated. You know, it's it's you know, I, I'm gonna I'll die of old age before Christ returns. That's what I was saying like <laughs> four months ago, five months ago. Mm-hmm. Now go. Well, I don't know. My how things quickly change huh well the days shall be shortened so everything right. certainly seems to be ramping up that's for sure yeah yeah and that uh reminds me that you you were talking about the conference uh coming up this weekend as well what what oh, was that again uh yeah true legends uh yeah conference the steve quell genesis 6 one right yeah thanks for reminding me uh yeah actually yeah. I think that starts tomorrow i think yeah, I need to. I need actually, to actually. Yeah, I do, right. I do too. Right after this, after we get off the air, I might as well get on there. Right. And do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I'll do the, do the same. But um, yeah, and so we should be moving on um pretty soon into the dream vision now that we've finished, um, what Enoch relates or receives from Uriel and then relates to his son Methuselah, and so that will be a very exciting, um. You know, a few chapters as well, because all that is prophetic. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Looking forward to the the uh, the animal apocalypse dream. <laughs> yeah, the animal farm. The animal farm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely interesting. I, I've got it up on the screen for people that want to check out that same conference. It's uh, uh, Gen Six Productions and the True Legends Conference. All right, well, excellent, brother. Well, it was a great show always, and. Um, Looking forward to further discussions. Uh, do you have any other guests that are coming on? Uh, in, you, know? Uh, you know, that's interesting. I, I, I talked with a guy today um, that may be a really good guest for me to do. Next week, you're going to be on my show uh, yeah. on Wednesday, mm-hmm. so to be the week after, um, talking about uh, social programming <laughs> and how that works. And uh, right uh, had a, about an hour-long conversation with this guy today. Really interesting stuff. So, um He's choosing to remain anonymous for reasons that I totally get. So we may, yeah, we may stage him up like Guy Fox or something, and <laughs> do, do him like a QAnon kind of looking guy, yeah, or, right, or right. something like that. But uh, just to kind of protect his identity. But interesting stuff. Uh huh. 
Uh, speaking of which, I just did a, a show with a, a friend named Aaron Moffat who has been following that whole QAnon for a very long time. Yeah. And uh, she's now coming out of it a little bit. And so that was a very interesting show. Yeah. People can check that out. Yeah, I remain, by the way, the Q in the background, it has nothing to do with Q. It's Quest for Truth yes, <laughs> in, right. in our logo. But um, yeah, I'm skeptical about all that. But great yeah. show, man. Yeah, great show, brother. Uh, send our regards to the family. Be blessed, everyone. Good night. Good night, everybody.